Hello listeners and welcome back to VoiceOver Work and Audiobook Sampler. Where do you listen? Today is Friday, December 15th, 2023. Nick Trenton's book, The Art of Letting Go, is all about organizing the mess in your mind. It's about how to stop focusing on the past that's over or the future that may never occur and being present in the situations that you can actually have agency in. Today's episode is from Nick Trenton's book, The Art of Letting Go, and today we highlight some stoic philosophies and practices that aid in that struggle. Letting go is often used in psychology to describe the process of releasing attachments to something or someone. It may refer to letting go of negative thoughts, emotions, or behaviors that hold an individual back from reaching their full potential. At its core, letting go is all about surrendering control and allowing oneself to move on from situations that may no longer serve a person's best interests. As the reader begins this chapter, they'll be introduced to three important concepts, dichotomy of control, non-judgmental thinking, and self-distancing. Each of these ideas builds on one another, offering a key understanding of how to approach various situations in life. On one hand, the principle of dichotomy of control emphasizes the importance of focusing on what can be controlled, rather than worrying about the things that cannot. This concept is especially useful in trying to navigate certain challenges or obstacles. Meanwhile, non-judgmental thinking encourages the reader to approach situations with an open and accepting mind, free from biases and assumptions. Finally, the concept of self-distancing offers techniques for gaining a more objective perspective, particularly when dealing with emotionally charged situations. These three concepts work in tandem to help the reader cultivate a more balanced and effective approach to problem-solving and decision-making. Dichotomy of Control Some things are within our power, while others are not. Within our power are opinion, motivation, desire, aversion, and, in a word, whatever is of our own doing. Not within our power are our body, our property, reputation, office, and, in a word, whatever is not of our own doing. Epictetus The dichotomy of control is a central concept in Stoic philosophy that emphasizes the importance of distinguishing between things that are within one's control and things that are beyond one's control. According to this doctrine, People should focus their efforts on the things that are under their control and accept the things that are not. To illustrate this concept, consider a student who is preparing for an exam. The student has control over certain things, such as their study habits, their level of focus, and their time management. However, they do not have control over the difficulty level of the exam, the questions that will be asked, or the grading criteria. By focusing on the things that are within their control, the student can develop a study plan, manage their time effectively, and maintain their focus. However, if they spend too much time worrying about the things that are beyond their control, such as the exam's difficulty level, 
they may become anxious and stressed, which can negatively affect their performance. Another example of the dichotomy of control can be seen in relationships. In a romantic relationship, one partner cannot control the other's thoughts or feelings. However, they can control their own actions and reactions in response to their partner. By focusing on their own behavior and communication, they can contribute to a healthy relationship. Conversely, if they spend too much energy trying to change their partner's behavior or worrying about things they cannot control, it may create conflict and damage the relationship. Consider John. He's a man of extreme order and control. He's always been that way, even as a child. Every detail in his life has to be perfect, from the way he keeps his house to the way he runs his business and his relationships. It all just seems so natural for him. Controlling everything around him is like second nature. But then one day, something changes. John meets someone who challenges his perception of control and freedom, a woman named Olivia. She's wild and carefree, living by her own rules rather than following anyone else's orders or schedules. Somehow, she just gets under John's skin in an irresistible way. It feels like she can see right through him and knows exactly how to push all the right buttons to make him question things about himself he'd never thought twice about before meeting her. The more they hang out together, the more their differences begin to blur until eventually they find themselves at an impasse. Either John accepts Olivia's brand of chaos into his tightly controlled world, or he risks losing her altogether if he tries too hard to keep her within its boundaries. There doesn't seem any other option available anymore, but this dichotomy between having total control over everything or giving up some of that power for true happiness with another person as well as himself. In the end, after much soul-searching, and maybe a few arguments too, John comes out on top with a newfound understanding that sometimes letting go can be just what one needs in order for their life and those around them to thrive. John knows that holding too tightly onto the past and ruminating over what-ifs will only serve to hold him back in life. Therefore, he consciously decides to let go of the things he has no control over. Major life events, circumstances, feelings, individuality. And chooses to focus on things he can control, such as being present, accepting, empathetic, and loyal. The dichotomy of control helps him focus his efforts on the things that truly matter and accept the things that are beyond his control. It encourages him to take responsibility for his actions and reactions rather than blaming external circumstances or other people for his problems. Epictetus was a prominent Stoic philosopher who emphasized the importance of living in accordance with reason, virtue, and the natural order of the universe. In his teachings, he often stressed the importance of focusing on what is within one's control and letting go of what is outside of it. This advice may seem paradoxical at first, but it reflects the Stoic view of the world and an individual's place in it. According to Stoic philosophy, the universe is governed by a rational and benevolent force called the Logos, 
which is responsible for creating and maintaining the order and harmony of the cosmos. The Logos ensures that everything happens for a reason and that there is a purpose behind all events, even if people don't always understand it. This belief in divine providence and the rationality of the universe is what allows the Stoics to be confident about things they can't control. At the same time, the Stoics recognize that there are things people can control, such as their thoughts, emotions, and actions. It is in these areas that people should focus their attention and efforts. By cultivating the right mindset and living in accordance with reason and virtue, people can achieve inner peace, freedom, and a good life, regardless of external circumstances. One of the most important gifts that nature has given humans, according to the Stoics, is the ability to reason. Unlike animals, people have the power to reflect on their thoughts, emotions, and actions, and to choose how they want to live their lives. This ability to reason is what makes them human and gives them the potential for greatness. Epictetus' advice to be confident about things people can't change and careful about things they can change reflects the Stoic worldview and their emphasis on living in accordance with reason, virtue, and the natural order of the universe. By focusing on what is within one's control and cultivating the right mindset, people can achieve inner peace, freedom, and a good life, regardless of external circumstances. Epictetus believed in the importance of using the three faculties of the mind wisely. Specifically, he outlined the dichotomy of control, which highlights these faculties as essential to one's well-being. The faculty of judgment governs the way people think, feel, and believe. The faculty of desire guides one's desires and fears. The faculty of will directs one's intentions, decisions, and actions. Using these faculties in proper balance can allow people to live a fulfilling and virtuous life. Epictetus' teachings are a reminder that people have the power to shape their own experiences and must take responsibility for their thoughts and actions in order to live a happy and meaningful life. The wise use of these faculties, he argued, was the key to living a good life. The faculty of judgment is responsible for one's thoughts, emotions, and beliefs. It allows people to make judgments about what is true and false, good and bad, and right and wrong. Epictetus believed that people should use this faculty to develop accurate and rational beliefs about the world. They should strive to avoid making judgments based on emotions, biases, or prejudices. For example, imagine that a person receives criticism from their boss. Their initial emotional response might be to feel angry or defensive. However, using their faculty of judgment, they can reflect on the situation and try to understand the criticism objectively. This can help them make a rational decision about how to respond. The faculty of desire is responsible for one's desires and fears. It allows them to seek pleasure and avoid pain. Epictetus believed that people should use this faculty to develop rational desires and to avoid irrational fears. We should strive to desire only those things within one's control and to avoid fearing things that are not. For example... Imagine that an individual desires a promotion at work. This is a rational desire, as it is something within their control. 
However, if they fear losing their job, this is an irrational fear, as it is not within their control. By using their faculty of desire wisely, they can focus on achieving their goals without being held back by irrational fears. The faculty of will is responsible for one's intentions, decisions, and actions. It allows people to act on their desires and to make decisions about how to live their lives. Epictetus believed that people should use this faculty to make wise decisions and to take responsible actions. People should strive to act in accordance with their rational desires and to avoid acting impulsively or irresponsibly. For example, imagine that someone has a desire to become more physically fit. Using their faculty of will, they can decide to join a gym and create a workout plan. They can then take action by following through on their plan and making regular visits to the gym. By using their faculty of will wisely, they can achieve their goals and live a healthier life. The wise use of the three faculties of the mind is the key to living a good life. By using one's faculty of judgment to develop rational beliefs, one's faculty of desire to seek rational desires, and one's faculty of will to make responsible decisions and take action, individuals can achieve their goals and live a fulfilling life. Hello, listeners. So, I recently was introduced to this drink called Magic Mind. It's a supplement that boosts your energy, helps you focus, and basically turns you into a productivity machine. Sounds too good to be true, right? Well, I'm interested in flow states and productivity, and especially a calm mind, and who isn't? So I figured I'd give it a shot. Especially since they're soon to be available at Sprouts, I can just grab a couple of bottles without committing to a whole subscription. I started taking it for a few days straight, just like the instructions said. Honestly, I wasn't sure what to expect. I mean, how much can a matcha-flavored drink do? But you know what? I was surprised. I did feel more focused and energized throughout those days. It wasn't this crazy, jittery energy like you might get from coffee, but more of a calm alertness. I felt like I was bordering on that flow state in various activities, from computer work to narration, and even in my disc golf round. And I swear, I even felt a little less stressed, which is a feat in itself. This was not a scientific study, but my Garmin watch showed a five-point decrease in average stress levels per day in the last week compared to the previous month. The Magic Mind team created a super offer for me to share with you guys. You get up to 56% off your first subscription in the next 10 days and 20% off your one-time purchase with Voice Over 20. That's Voice Over 20. You can get it at https colon slash slash www.magicmind.com slash voiceover and redeem the discount code voiceover20. But hurry up, the 56% discount only lasts 10 days from the airing date of this episode. Look, I'm not saying Magic Mind is some miracle cure. It's not going to turn you into Elon Musk overnight. But for me, it was a decent little addition to my routine. It's definitely helped me stay on track with my work. And the fact that you can just grab it at Sprouts beginning in January makes it even more convenient. 
no more waiting for subscriptions or deliveries. So if you're looking for something to give you a bit of a boost, I'd say Magic Mind is worth a try. Just remember, consistency is key. Give it a few days and see how it works for you. No promises you'll turn into a productivity powerhouse, but hey, it might just help you get through your to-do list without wanting to pull your hair out. If you have a Sprouts store nearby beginning in January, you can find it in the Sprouts farmers markets across the country. Or you can check it out at www.magicmind.com voiceover and get a subscription with up to 50% off with my code VOICEOVER20. How to practice and apply the dichotomy of control. The dichotomy of control may sound like a complicated concept, but it's actually a simple technique that can have a powerful impact on one's life. At its core, it's a philosophy that encourages people to focus only on those things they can control and to let go of everything else. This might seem counterintuitive at first, but it's a mindset that can help them navigate life's ups and downs with greater ease and resilience. Of course, like any skill, putting the dichotomy of control into practice takes practice, but with time and effort, it can become second nature. Whether one is facing a difficult work situation, a challenging relationship, or just the everyday stresses of life, embracing the dichotomy of control can help them maintain a sense of inner calm and clarity. Step one involves developing a constant focus on the present moment. A crucial aspect of the stoic practice of the dichotomy of control is cultivating a constant focus on the present moment. This means training one's mind to be fully engaged with what is happening right now, rather than being distracted by worries or regrets about the past or anxieties or expectations about the future. One way to develop this sort of focus is through mindfulness meditation. Mindfulness is the practice of paying attention to the present moment with an attitude of curiosity, openness, and non-judgment. By regularly practicing mindfulness, people can train their minds to become more aware of their thoughts, emotions, and sensations, and to stay grounded in the present moment. Here's an example of how to apply mindfulness in everyday life using the example of a morning routine. Waking up in the morning, individuals are advised to take a few deep breaths and bring attention to their body and their surroundings. As they get out of bed, they notice the sensation of their feet touching the floor, the temperature of the room, and the sounds around them. As they brush their teeth, they need to pay attention to the sensation of the bristles against their teeth and gums, the taste of the toothpaste, and the movements of their hands and arms. As they take a shower, they feel the water on their skin, smell the soap or shampoo, and notice any thoughts or feelings that arise. Throughout the morning routine, they try to stay present and engaged with each moment, rather than letting one's mind wander or getting lost in thoughts or worries about the day ahead. By cultivating this sort of present-moment awareness, people can begin to develop a deeper sense of inner peace and calm and become better equipped to navigate the ups and downs of daily life. One other example of a mindfulness technique to stay in the present moment is body scan meditation. In this technique, a person lies down or sits comfortably and focuses their attention on each part of their body, starting from their toes and moving up toward their head. As they focus on each body part, 
They become aware of any sensations or feelings they may be experiencing in that area without judgment or analysis. This helps them become more present in the moment and to cultivate a sense of relaxation and awareness in their body. Here's how to incorporate this into one's routine. Find a quiet and comfortable place where you can lie down or sit without distractions. You can use a yoga mat, a cushion, or a chair for support. Close your eyes, take a few deep breaths, letting go of any tension in your body. Start by focusing your attention on your toes. Pay attention to any sensations you may be feeling in your toes, such as warmth, tingling, or tension. Don't judge or analyze the sensations. Simply observe them. Slowly move your attention to the rest of your feet, noticing any sensations or feelings. Continue to move your attention up your legs to your thighs, hips, lower back, abdomen, chest, arms, hands, neck, and finally your head. Spend a few moments on each body part, being aware of any sensations or feelings that arise. If you notice any tension or discomfort, simply acknowledge it and let it go, without trying to change or fix it. If your mind starts to wander, gently bring your attention back to the present moment and continue with the body scan. When you reach the top of your head, take a few deep breaths and allow yourself to rest in this state of relaxation and awareness. When you're ready, slowly open your eyes and take a few more deep breaths before getting up. People can do a body scan meditation for as little as 5 minutes or as long as 30 minutes, depending on their schedule and preferences. It can be a helpful way to reduce stress, improve sleep quality, and cultivate mindfulness in their daily life. Step 2 of practicing the dichotomy of control is to develop the habit of constantly asking oneself whether a given situation or circumstance is under their control. This involves being mindful of one's thoughts and reactions and questioning whether they have any power to change the situation at hand. For example, imagine a person is driving to work and gets stuck in traffic. They may feel frustrated and anxious about being late, but by applying the dichotomy of control, they would ask themselves, is the traffic under my control? The answer is no, as they cannot control the flow of traffic. Therefore, they would remind themselves that the traffic is none of their concern and that they should focus on what they can control, such as their reactions to the situation or how they use the time stuck in traffic, like listening to an audiobook or calling a friend. Another example could be a student who receives a poor grade on an assignment. Instead of becoming upset and dwelling on the outcome, they can apply the dichotomy of control by asking themselves whether the grade is under their full control. The answer is no. The grade has already been assigned and cannot be changed. Therefore, the student can choose to focus on what they can control, such as studying harder for the next assignment or seeking feedback from the teacher on how to improve. Here's another example of how an individual can apply the habit of constantly asking oneself whether a given situation or circumstance is under their control. Tim is a manager at a software company, and he's working on a project that has been delayed due to technical difficulties. John is feeling frustrated and stressed about the situation because the delay is putting the project timeline at risk. To apply the habit, Tim could pause and ask himself, 
What aspect of this situation is under my control? He might identify that he can communicate the delay to his team and stakeholders, prioritize critical tasks, and explore alternative solutions. Next, he could ask himself, what aspects of this situation are not under my control? He might recognize that he can't control the technical issues causing the delay or the fact that the project timeline is at risk. By taking this step-by-step approach, Tim can better understand what actions he can take to address the situation and what actions he needs to let go of. He can then focus his energy on the things he can control, which can help him feel more empowered and productive. In this way, the habit of constantly asking oneself whether a given situation or circumstance is under their control can be a practical and actionable tool for managing stress and improving one's ability to navigate challenging situations. Step 3 of practicing and applying the dichotomy of control seeks to answer the age-old question, Is this under my control? If one's answer to this is partially, Epictetus advises individuals to make the best of the situation and leave the rest to providence. This means that individuals should take responsibility for what they can control and influence to the best of their abilities, but also understand and accept that some aspects of a situation are beyond their control. For example, imagine an individual is preparing for a job interview. They can control their preparation, attire, and attitude going into the interview. However, they cannot control the preferences and biases of the interviewer or the outcome of the interview. By recognizing this, the individual can focus on doing their best during the interview while also accepting that the ultimate decision is not in their hands. In this way, the practice of leaving partial control to providence can help people avoid unnecessary stress and anxiety over situations they cannot control. By focusing on what they can control and accepting what they cannot, individuals can approach life with a sense of peace and equanimity, even in the face of challenges and adversity. Life is unpredictable, Sometimes things just don't go according to plan. When faced with circumstances that might seem out of one's control, it's important to remember that not everything is entirely within one's grasp. However, that doesn't mean people should simply sit back and watch as life happens. Rather, they should strive to make the most of every situation, even if they can only control part of it. For instance, Imagine an individual is planning an outdoor picnic with friends, but the weather doesn't look all that promising. While they may not be able to control the weather, they can still bring some fun activities that don't require perfect weather, like board games or card games. Ultimately, by making the best out of what's partially under their control, they leave the rest up to fate and trust that things will work out okay. Here's another example of how an individual can apply the concept of partially controlling a situation and leaving the rest to providence. Samantha is a freelance writer who's been asked to submit a proposal for a high-profile project. She knows that this project could potentially lead to many more opportunities, and she's eager to impress the client. She spends a lot of time researching the project and putting together a strong proposal. However, when Samantha submits her proposal, She finds out that there are several other highly qualified writers vying for the same project. At this point, 
Samantha realizes that the situation is only partially under her control. While she can't control the quality of her proposal, she cannot control the decisions of the client or the actions of the other writers. To make the best of the situation, Samantha focuses on the things she can control. She sends a follow-up email to the client, thanking them for the opportunity and offering to answer any additional questions they may have. She also spends time reaching out to other potential clients and working on other writing projects. Samantha understands that there are factors outside of her control that could impact the outcome of the project. However, by focusing on what she can control, she feels more empowered and less anxious about the situation. She trusts that if this project is meant to be, it will be, and if not, there will be other opportunities in the future. In this way, Samantha is able to apply the concept of partially controlling a situation and leaving the rest of Providence to her freelance writing career. By focusing on what she can control and accepting what she cannot, she's able to approach her work with greater resilience and a sense of peace, even in uncertain or challenging situations. The Two-Minute Dichotomy of Control Meditation Imagine a student struggling with their grades in a difficult course. They feel like they're doing everything they can to study and prepare, but they keep getting disappointing results on their exams. To use the two-minute dichotomy of control meditation, the student will get a piece of paper and a pen. Then they draw a big circle on the paper and a smaller circle within it. In the smaller circle, they'll write down the things that are within their control when it comes to their grades. For example, they could write something like how much time they spent studying each day, how they studied, taking notes, reading the textbook, watching videos, etc., whether they asked questions in class or reached out to their professor for help, how they approached each exam, staying calm, reading each question carefully, double-checking their work, etc. In the larger circle, they could write down the things that were outside of their control. For example, they could write how difficult the course material is, how the exams are structured and graded, how much time they have to complete each exam, whether other students in the class are performing well. These are all things they cannot control, no matter how hard they try. They may have contributed to their struggles, but there was nothing they could do to change them. Now that they have these two circles, they can begin to see whether they can leverage what they have to improve their situation. They can focus their energy and attention on the things within their control, such as studying more effectively or seeking help from their professor. They can let go of the things that are outside of their control, such as how difficult the course material is or how other students are doing. This will help the student feel more empowered and less helpless in the face of their struggles. They can take action where they can and accept the things they cannot change. By focusing on what they can control, they can increase their chances of success and feel more confident in their abilities. This has been The Art of Letting Go. Stop overthinking, stop negative spirals, and find emotional freedom. Written by Nick Trenton. Narrated by Russell Newton. Copyright 2023 by Nick Trenton. Production copyright by Nick Trenton.
please be sure to visit Amazon.com or Audible.com for more information on this book and the author. Show notes and further information can be found at RussellEricNewton.com. With an eclectic collection of insights, knowledge, and trivia from some of the newest audiobooks on the market, this has been the Voice Over Work podcast, brought to you by Newton Media Group, a family of creative services.